Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode. I am excited about today's conversation with Amber O'Neill Johnston. She is the heritage mom. She has an incredible blog that is all at the service of homeschooling. And she's really taken an innovative look at homeschooling and in particular for her own family. But it's all about how to um, create more cultural awareness in homeschool curriculums and in that space. We don't spend a lot of time talking about that cultural piece in today's episode, but I thought it would be helpful to get a little bit of a behind the scenes look at what does homeschooling look like in a family? How does it impact relational dynamics between parents and kids, between parents themselves as a couple? And so Amber is really open about this and I thought it would be helpful if you're curious about what it looks like in a homeschooling family. This is a really interesting episode. If you've ever considered it or if you just wanted to know what it might be like, this is a great episode to listen to. So you get a lot of um, fun interactions throughout um, this episode that she shares. So um, let's jump in. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Amber O'Neill Johnston. Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Amber O'Neill Johnston, thank you so much for being here on Connecting Out Loud. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know, especially for this conversation, because I think there are some people who are not very familiar with homeschooling and, you know, when they hear the word, they just get the glazed over look and just kind of assume it is very challenging. And I feel like following you and watching you and your work, you really do have a way of making it look so easy. <laughs> so my first question is, how in the world do you do that? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So one thing, you know, I always like to tell people is that I've been doing this for a while. So I've been homeschooling from the beginning. My oldest is in sixth grade. So I know some people are like, oh, homeschooling doesn't start until they're, you know, school age. But in my mind, I got serious about it when she was in like pre-K. Um, so that's a lot of years, you know, under my belt of doing, you know, full out homeschooling. And so I've made a lot of mistakes and you know, we've um, had a lot of changes or I'll change direction here or do something differently. But at this point, it's, you know, I do feel like a bit like I'm in my groove. And so that may be what people are seeing. And one thing I like to tell the local moms that I talk to is, you know, I might be on my mountain now and you might be in your valley and it might seem like, oh my gosh, look at that. But there are times like when my children change stages or, when I have a new reader or a new child joins our homeschool, you know, formal lessons because they're older, then I'm in the valley and I'm climbing up and learning something new at that time. So it just depends on when you, when you meet me. I love that because it just allows room for growth and recognition that we're all in different places and that's okay. And not to assume that we have to be at the top of the mountain when we start, but there's, there's a process to everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, for sure. 
Are there any moments that do you, that you find stressful or have been stressful in the past? And if so, how did you manage that stress? Yes, there are lots of moments that I find <laughs> stressful. I mean, for me, um, you know, a lot of people talk about when um, someone has a new baby. Well, for me, it's the actual pregnancy that's the most difficult. So those years when I was having babies, the first and second trimesters, I was very sick. It wasn't just the first trimester. I had sick and exhausted, fatigued, foggy brain, just wasn't my sharpest self. But yet I had a child or other children that I needed to teach and guide. And so those are really hard times for me. Um, but some people, it's the newborn stage. That's, that's actually a good stage for me because baby is sleeping all the time and even after that like I I know it's like here have some breast milk <laughs> like I could just <laughs> nurse it, a fussy baby would sit in my lap and and so that's an easy time for me but then they start walking around and toddling and getting into everything and so then that becomes difficult again um and so I think it's just like it ebbs and flows Part of what I've found, though, is I can't change the circumstances. And a lot of times I don't even want to. I wanted each of these little babies. And so I don't want to then feel like, oh, the baby's in the way of what I'm really trying to do. The baby is what I'm trying to do. Um, but I've changed my expectations as to what my home is going to look like or what our, what even school, quote unquote, school is going to look like during those times. And when I mm. change my expectations, my stress level goes way down expectations are huge. I feel like a lot of people underestimate that, but it really makes a difference for how we feel about an outcome to something, how we feel about how it's going, how we judge ourselves based on the situation. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad you said that. I'm, think, I'm trying to think about your kids too. I'm sure at various stages, your kids had different levels of stress that they experienced depending on what's going on in their life and maybe different personalities and whatnot. So are there ways that you maybe help your kids manage their stress during their different moments that they might be having? Yes, definitely. Like trying to watch them so that I can help them kind of assimilate information even about themselves. So for instance, um, like my second child is a, is a girl, my daughter, and she is, you know, a lot of times living in her older sister's shadow. And there have been times where she's asked me, um, you know, what am I good at? What are my thing? What's my special thing? Nina, the oldest, she has this and she's really artistic and artsy and she has all these things. But what about me? I don't have anything special. And I remember telling her one day, well, I see you really eager and excited about books. And she's like, well, everyone reads. And I'm like, no, most people know how to read, but everyone doesn't love books the way you do. And she was like, yeah, that's a really good point. And so she has formed a bit of a, um, you know, identity around being a book lover. And I always, you know, love seeing her journal that she created. She put stickers all over it. And this front and center sticker says book nerd. And she uh -huh. loves that. And so I think sometimes I didn't change anything about her. I didn't tell her to do one thing or another. All I did was help her see um, some things clearly from the outside, like I can just by observing them. So that's one example. And another thing is listening to them and what is stressing them out. So I know prior to COVID, um, that same daughter was a dancer. So she was taking four or five dance classes a week. 
And sometimes oh, wow. during, um, yeah, and she loved it. That's what she wanted to do. She picked that. And I remember telling her, maybe you just stick with ballet. No, I want to do ballet. I want to do tap. I want to do jazz. And during performance season, she had extra rehearsals for, you know, Nutcracker or whatever they were doing. She loved it. So when all of that came to a halt during COVID, when it was time and the ballet studio opened back up, I was like, oh, honey, the studio is opening back up. And she was like, about that. And I was like, what? And she was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And I was like, okay. And I was like, talk to me about that. And she said that I just am so much happier, like in the evenings, just playing with my siblings and just hanging out at home. And I don't want to have to go somewhere all the time. And I said, okay, well, what about the dance? Like, do you just want to do one day a week? And she's like, honestly, now that I'm away from it, I realized that I don't love it as much. I just was like, basically what she's trying to say, it was just habit. Like she was just doing it because that's what she had already, always been doing. And that was really powerful. And there was a part of me that panicked, not because I care whether she danced. I mean, it's cheaper for me if she doesn't dance. It's less <laughs> back and forth and me driving her around if she doesn't dance. I mean, there are lots of benefits for me. So it wasn't that I needed her to dance. But I felt like, what if she regrets it later that she gave up this thing that she's so into? But I had to, you know, talk to her and listen to her heart. And she's just a child. And she says that she feels better when she's just home playing with her siblings. And I'm okay with that. So I think those things like listening to them and, and observing them so we can help them work through some of the stresses and problems that they experience are, that's how I've been handling it. And I think this segues great into the next question because it really comes down to your relationship with each of your kids. So I'm really curious about how homeschooling has influenced your relationship with them and their relationship with you, because it sounds like it's a very tailored experience. Yes, I think that it's, it's really influenced it greatly because we do spend so much time together and that's together as a total family. But also the one-on-one -on -one time that I'm able to spend with the children and from the very beginning I've always wanted to have like a very open you know relationship with them where they feel like comfortable talking to me about things and so I will intentionally bring up a lot of conversations that I know people probably feel like oh that's really awkward and and it's awkward for me too but I don't want it to be and so I, I force myself to bring it up and just be you know calm about it and um, just make it seem like it's a normal thing that we would talk about things that could make people uncomfortable so that that won't be between us. Um, I think also trying to make sure that I'm focused on being corrective and teaching, but not punitive. So when I'm seeing them doing something, you know, in a way that I think isn't the best way, or if they're doing, even if they're doing something wrong, I'm not looking to say like, you did this wrong. How can I punish you? But more, mm. you know, this is not the right way. And I try to talk about how this is not going to lead them well later. It's not just about this moment, but this character issue that we're dealing with is going to not play out well for you going forward. Give examples. We talk about it. And then if there are natural consequences, I love that. Like, well, we didn't get to go to whatever it is we were going to do because you're still here cleaning up because you didn't clean up when I asked you to earlier. You know, that's not mm -hmm. a punishment. It's just we would be going if they had cleaned up. It's a natural consequence for that. And I think those things have been meaningful in helping with our relationship because they feel like we're on the same team because we are. Um, the other thing I think, um, I'm not someone who is totally against screen time and electronics and all of that. My kids do get screen time and they do spend time on electronics, but it's very intentional. 
And I think it's not a main part of our lives. We have one TV in the house. It's in the basement. Um, we all, you know, we schedule that. Like we're all going to sit down and watch a movie on Friday night after dinner. And those things are fun for us. But in terms of them just always being in front of a screen or having full access to just doing that, they don't have that. And part of that is yes, to protect them, you know, from what they may be doing or becoming addicted to it and all that. But that's not really all of it. More so, um, my kids are doing nice things on with their electronic time. So it's not as much of that. It's more that that eats into the relationship because heads mm. down into the screens, it takes away from our time making eye contact and talking, playing games and laughing and inside jokes and dance parties with Alexa and all those <laughs> things that we like to do. Um, and so, you know, I think those are some of the things. The relationship is more important to me than the academics. And so knowing that, like being able to say that to myself helps me when I'm making decisions about how I'm going to relate to the kids and what I expect from them. I love that. And I'm a huge fan of natural consequences. I talk about it all the time and I just say wherever, because I feel like it's a freebie. It's like a parenting freebie a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's something, you know, that you don't really have to enforce. Like, um, you know, you don't put a cover on your phone. It breaks, you drop it, it breaks. Perfect natural consequence that as a parent, you don't have to worry about giving a huge lecture or something about. Um, yeah. So I, and all that to that end of, of your point of it's about the relationship at the end of the day and maintaining that connection with them and helping them learn in a way that maintains their dignity, really. Definitely. I think back, I'm one of three and all three of us, none of us are doing what we went to school to do. Um, and so I think about like, had my parents been like super hardcore, like that's the most important thing, your grades, your academics, your job, your career and all of that. And none of us are doing any of the things they couldn't have anticipated what we were doing right now, but we had the relationship. And so I feel like that transcends the decisions your kids make. Yes, we all want our children to be successful and all that, but success is defined differently for every family. And for mm. me, part of that idea of success is that they're launched into adulthood as whole people who are emotionally healthy, physically healthy. So even like healthy eating, like all of those things are part of our home slash school and and the academic book work, the traditional, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, those things are important too. They're also an important part, but they're not the most important thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's so evident just by watching you that education is not about preparing somebody for a job, that you are actually forming human beings for life. Um, can you talk a little bit more about some of those ways that you're trying to form your children? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there are so many things that I would like to teach them. And there's so many books that I want them to read. And, and we love reading and those things are important. But I also want them to feel comfortable in other spaces. Um, I want them to have freedom of expression verbally, creatively with art, and music and poetry. I want them to have things that they enjoy outside of, say, uh, studying in college or working when you're an adult. And I think a lot of that is born out of my own um, short shortfalls or deficiencies. So I was just so about getting straight A's. That's like mostly what I remember about my childhood is I wanted to get straight A's, go to school, get straight A's, 
you know, I got a full ride to college, get straight A's in college, try to get, just try to excel academically and then get a really good job making a lot of money. And, you know, I did all that stuff. And a few years into that really great job making all that money, I was miserable. I was so miserable that I thought that I had a health issue. I was like going to all these doctors and everything mm. um, because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was having all this joint pain. My stomach was always hurting. I was in the, everyone kept saying the tests are all negative, you know, and I was like, oh, they think that something's, you know, they don't believe me. Wow. And eventually I was led, I, I gave my two weeks notice to, and it wasn't just that job. It was just that whole career it just wasn't me because I worked for different companies and it felt the same way I gave my two weeks notice and decided to become an entrepreneur and just do something that I really loved I took a huge pay cut to do it and the moment I slid that two weeks notice across the table I never had any more joint pain or stomach pain and so I've seen and experienced what it's like to um, be so focused on an external goal that you have no hobbies you have no um, other things that bring you joy you're not living you know authentically you're not a whole person you're not living the fullness of life and so I just don't want them and I don't feel my parents did that to me I mean I kind of did that to myself but I want to teach them to have other things that you love beyond just book learning right and I think that's yeah, that's where kind of some of those decisions. So the time we spend in nature, um, being able to slow down, um, being able to make things that you feel are beautiful, whether they would ever be up in an art museum or not, I don't know. But if you think it's lovely that you can create that and having relationships, so making time with friends, making time for friends. And I think it gets harder as kids get older. But I prioritize that, the ability and time that you need to devote to friendship. And I mirror that for them as well so that they can see me investing in other people. So I think those are just some of the things that I know it's different. Some people are like hardcore. They think about, you know, people have asked me, what about calculus? What about the SAT? <laughs> you know, and I remember people ask me that. I'm like, well, my oldest is five. So I think I have some time. But I think those things are going to be okay. My kids may not have the highest scores of everything in the whole world. Maybe they will though. I mean, we don't know. Um, but I just think that um, we talk about in Charlotte Mason world of spreading about spreading the feast and spreading a wide feast for your children, not pre-selecting what you want them to go mm -hmm. into and be good at and focus on, but that you're exposing them to all the things and then to see where their hearts lead them. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to, to go or what they're going to want to do. Yeah, it'll kind of be a fun journey to find out, right? It's okay, it's okay not to know, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, they'll figure it out and I'll be here for them, you know, along the way. I think it's fun. Absolutely. What about um, how has being a homeschooling family impacted your marital relationship? How do you guys prioritize your marriage when there is just so much ample family time opportunities? How do you guys get time just for you? Oh, that's a really good question. So um, a little bit of a unique situation in that my husband is the one who wanted to homeschool. I thought this guy was nuts. 
I was like, <laughs> what? That is hilarious. But no, I am not a homeschooler. I am not about to move out onto a commune. And, you know, like I had all these like stereotypes. I was like, that is not for me. And he just kept pushing, kept pushing. He was like, okay, how about this? So the comp, this was the compromise. Let's just do it. Let's just try it for one year. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, no harm, no foul. You can put her into kindergarten. It's so funny though. She was so young. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll try that. And I was like, I know I'm not going to like it. And I ended up loving it. So one thing, and so one way that the, um, that it helps our marriage is that he really wants this too. And so when there are times when we have to sacrifice or I may not be as available or, um, we're spending a lot of time talking about it. He's super into it. So we're a, a team in that way. Um, we also don't have a problem in letting the kids know that, hey, mommy and daddy need time to be alone. Like we're talking, we're going to have a conversation or we want to watch a movie together alone. Will you guys go play or whatever? And we do draw those boundary lines and don't feel bad about it. I think it's a good thing for the kids to see. Um, but honestly, we do spend a lot of time all together. <laughs> so you kind mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what we signed up for. And it works because it works for both of us. So we travel, we bring the kids with us when we travel and, you know, they're with us most of the time. Um, and part of that is we don't have family where we live at all. So um, maybe that would be different, perhaps if we did have a different situation. But yeah, they're just kind of with us and we you know Scott and I talk about everything I bounce ideas off of him about homeschool things and what's going on with the kids and we have family meetings we call them but they're not they're not sad or no one's getting in trouble um we're just talking and the kids like it so we're talking about things we want to do changes we may want to make observations we have and things like that so I don't know we're just like a family unit and we kind of chose to dive in and do life together. What I love about that is it's, you know, kind of in a way homeschooling has become, I don't know if this is a good word for it, but almost like a hobby for the two of you. So yeah. because you're both so passionate about it and you both enjoy it, it probably doesn't feel like it's really taking away from, you know, your relationship in a way because you're excited to talk about it. So you come home and you share about what's going on with you and the kids. And he's super into it. And so in a way, it's kind of become a really cool way for you guys to connect. Even though you do have all this family time, it's also something you really enjoy. That's yeah, kind that's of what I'm a, getting from what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but yes, it's something we both are passionate about. And so it's actually, it is a point of connection. It bonds us rather than pulling us apart. And I mean, there are things if we really want to go out to dinner or whatever, we can find a sitter or, you know, I have friends, we have friends who can watch the kids where it's hard to drop four kids off at someone's house. But um, <laughs> we, you know, it's not that we never do anything. It's not that at all. But we most of what we do, we do choose to do within the realm of family. And yes, we kind of, yeah, it does. It brings us together. I think your description was a really good one. Yeah. And I know larger families have to be a little more creative about what to do. And it sounds like you guys are doing that around putting some boundaries and saying, go play or, or whatever it is that you guys need to do um, to fill you up. So. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this time and you just sharing um, all of your wisdom with us. How can people find you, get in touch with you if they want to learn more about homeschooling or just see what your family's up to? Oh, definitely. You can reach me at heritagemom.com, which is my website and I blog on there and also on Instagram at heritagemomblog and on Facebook at heritagemomblog. Awesome, Amber. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It was great. I appreciate it. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud.